0: 2 Timothy 4 verses 1 to 5 And so I solemnly urge you before God and before Christ Jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead when he appears to set up his kingdom preach the word of God be persistent whether the time is favourable or not patiently correct rebuke And encourage your people with good teaching, that the Lord, the righteous, oh sorry, for a time is coming when people will no longer listen to right teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever they want to hear. They will reject the truth and follow strange myths. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at bringing others to Christ. Complete the ministry God has given you. And the other reading is Philippians 4, 1-9. Stop me if you've heard this before. (laughs) Therefore, my brothers... You whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. That is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I plead with Eurodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you.
1: Heavenly Father, may the words of my lips and the thoughts and meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord God, our Creator and Redeemer. Amen. Well, a couple of uh, days ago, if you were here, I quoted uh, Rudyard Kipling's If, that uh, long poem, and... um, it basically I quoted "You know, if all around you are losing your heads then you keep calm that's what that theme is about don't panic think clearly and don't lose your head and of course I, I was told the other day that Rudyard Roger, Roger, Roger Kipling was a, a Christian I don't know whether he was or not but in the reading that you just heard from Second Timothy, that's exactly what Paul is telling Timothy. It's exactly what he's telling him: a time is coming, Timothy, when people outside the church and even in the church won't want to listen to God's word. They won't really want to listen to God's word. They won't re- want to listen to sound doctrine. Instead, they'll gather around them people who will say things what their itching ears want to hear. And I think that's what we see today. Christians, churches, or many churches and Christians, always wanting something new, always want the next exciting thing. They're very quick to jump on the latest trendy spiritual movement that comes from somewhere or whatever. Uh, How to move in the anointed or how to heal or wholeness or whatever. I heard one a few weeks ago, a miracle a day keeps the doctor away. You know, it's a book about healing, etc., etc. And these things, how to be a fulfilled Christian now, those things are coming out. How to be whole as a Christian. Or, on the other hand, the the latest, how to grow your church. There's no end to this. You know, we want churches filled. There's no end to this stuff. And Paul says to Timothy that that, that these people turn away from the truth to all sorts of stuff that's going on. They lose their spiritual heads. But Paul says, you, Timothy, verse 5, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. Don't, be, don't take your focus off that. And discharge all the duties of your ministry. Keep your head, Timothy, in all situations. Surely that's God's word to Christians today in New Zealand and into Western society in general. It's God's word to you. It's God's word to me today. It's God's word to this church today. There are huge issues coming at you from society the wider Anglican church and their struggles within your own church family you know that and you yourself may be struggling you may be going through difficulties it may be through trials, it may be doubts about faith but you'll be struggling well Paul the Holy Spirit would exhort you to keep your heads in these situations don't panic, think clearly think biblically Stay spiritually calm. Don't panic. Remain spiritually stable. And what Paul was teaching the Christians in Philippi to do was we've been looking at uh, certain principles uh, and in the the end, uh, coming to chapter uh, chapter 4 to the end, in verses 1 to 9, he gives certain principles teaching them how to remain stable when all around is unstable. And I've tried to bring some of those principles to you. Well, this morning we come to two final principles for spiritual stability. The Christian mind, thinking properly. That's why I was interested in uh, that particular version. Uh, Thinking properly, thinking godly and put all that Paul teaches into practice. All that we've looked at over the last few days, put into practice. Firstly then, to remain spiritually stable, Christians must train their minds to think rightly. Verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. To know the peace of God, to be spiritually stable, stable, Christians must think on the right things. Now by think about these good things, Paul doesn't mean think positive thoughts. You know, think nice things. If you think nice things, you'll feel really good. You'll be at peace. You'll be happy. Modern psychology tells us that if you think positively about good things... And if you don't think negatively, then you'll forget your problems and you'll be, ha- you'll be happy. You know, sort of, pack up your troubles in your old kid bag and smile, smile, smile. You know those kind of things. I haven't started yet, just hang on a second. Well, Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music, have you seen anything in that film? When Julie Andrews is sad, she remembers her favourite things. And what are her favourite things? Oh, they're pink satin sashes and snowflakes that stay on my nose and eyelashes. And when the dog bites, when the bee stings, when I'm feeling sad, I simply remember my favourite things and then I don't feel so sad. I should have been at the concert, really, shouldn't I? <laughs> well, that's modern psychology. That's what we've had for the last 60 or 70 years. I mentioned it the other day. Think positively and you'll have happy thoughts. You will succeed. That's not what Paul means. That's the philosophy of positive thinking again and little to do with Christianity. I mean, if you're a happy, chirpy person, well, that's wonderful. Just don't come near me in the mornings. You know, if that's the kind of person you are, there are some people like that. And that's fine. But Paul here is not thinking about positive thinking, which we have in our society today, where if you think nice little thoughts, uh, everything will be nice. Now the word think in the Greek here, I'm not a Greek scholar, I hope I get this, uh, uh, this, this word right, but the word that's used here for think is the word, word logizomai, from which we get our word logic, from which we get our word logical thinking. And it means consider these things, evaluate these things. He's emphasising the importance of the Christian mind thinking. And I don't think there's a more urgent need in the church today than that Christians think and that we think are right. In many areas of society, thinking right, in our society of New Zealand often, is, is, and thinking carefully and thinking rationally, it's all but gone in many circles, even in the media. Two philosophies dominate our culture today, existentialism and pragmatism. So when we come to issues and decisions, we don't ask, well, what is right? What is is true? We ask first, does it feel right? Does it feel right for me? Or pragmatism, will it work? Whether it's right or whether it's wrong, whether it's true or whether it's false, whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter, will it work? So, will will it make me feel good and will it work? that's what matters when we come to decisions for example television tycoons they want as many people watching their television program as possible and this is how they think it doesn't matter what junk is put on the television or films or videos or whatever whether it's adultery or violence or, or portraying greed and power as good and corruption as good and sexual unfaithfulness as good portraying these things the question isn't is it right the question is does it work does it get viewers? Do we get people in? How do we get people to watch things in crowd? We, we, we do things to get them in. Just get the people in. And the people watching don't ask, is this right or is it true? They ask, how does it make me feel? Oh, oh this, this really makes me feel good. And so, so I'll, I'll, I'll go that way. That's the thinking of our society. It's all around us. And the sad thing is that this thinking comes into the church. So on issues of theology, we don't ask, is it right or what is truth? What does God's word say? We ask, will it cause division? Will it, will it offend people? Or even, will it work? A report given to our synod a few, a few years ago said, uh, the person who was putting this forward said, Kiwis are practical people and the bottom line is not, is, is, it, theo- is, is it correct theology, but does it work? That's for the church. It doesn't matter about the theology, does it work? Does it get people in? A minister friend of mine who got 300 people to a, church, a certain church service said exactly that to me. But it works, Wally, people come. Some services today now, some, some worship services are now, are more entertainment than worship. Because they say, does it work? And this, this other friend of mine said, oh, when I take a service, wallet, I want people to go out feeling happy. I want them to, be, I want them to go out feeling good about themselves. So it's got nothing to, That's his aim. So It's got nothing to do with uh, theology. Or uh, I want people to go out and feel good about themselves. Christians need care today. We mustn't be sucked in by the wrong thinking of our culture. Because how we think is how we are and how we live. And that's important to God. So God is concerned that his people think rightly. Read the scriptures. It's right through the scriptures. Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 1, uh, God says to Israel, come let's reason together. He doesn't say, you know, come let's, let's, feel, let's see how we feel about this. God is discussing their sin and he says, come, let's reason together. If you continue in sin, this will happen. If you don't, if you, continue, if you obey, stop sin and obey me, well, this will happen. Let's reason together, he says. He doesn't say, you know, how, how does this make you feel? I want to know how it makes you feel. Psalm 72, God says, I will instruct you, I will teach you. They were to learn and understand and think correctly. And it's exactly the same principle in the New Testament. Paul often says, uh, I wouldn't have you ignorant, brethren. I wouldn't have you ignorant. He's not talking about the denomination, brethren, there. Of course he's not. I think he is, really. (laughs) I wouldn't have you ignorant, brethren. Sorry about any brethren around here. But he doesn't want us ignorant. He wants us, in Romans chapter 12, but be transformed by the renewal of your, what? Mind. Jesus kept saying to his disciples, do you not understand? Are you so dull? In Matthew chapter 13, uh, the parable of the sower, and it says some heard the message but didn't understand it. He wanted them to understand it, think it through. He said consider the birds of the air. He wants them to reason things out and think it through. Jesus often used the verb to think It is impossible to worship God without the mind, in spirit and in truth. The truth about God, about Jesus Christ, the truth about me, who I am, what I am before God. Christians are to use their minds and think. When people are encouraged to empty their minds for some emotional experience or stuff, the spiritual light, red light, should go on in a Christian's head. Christians are to think. Logizomai logically reason out what we believe and why we believe it and what happens if we don't believe think rightly about God and the gospel and the scriptures that's what Paul means think on these things and he doesn't mean sort of go into a trance or something and sort of meditate on nice thoughts and on feeling peace no faith Christian faith is not self hypnosis it is right thinking about God So what should we think on? Well first, verse 8, whatever is true, we are to think about and evaluate what is true and what is not true. That is priority in Christianity, truth. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. To worship God we must worship him in spirit and in truth. You cannot know God nor worship him if you don't know truth. And how do we know what is true? Is it whether it works? Is it whether, it whether it feels right for me? Or whether it feels true? Is it the majority? Is it, is it how I feel in my heart, whether it's true? Is it, is it what the majority of people think? No, in John 17, Jesus said, Thy word is truth. If you want to think on what is true, read, dwell on, and study the word of God. Whatever is noble means honourable or reverent. Think on what is honouring to God in your own life. Whatever, whatever is righteous means whatever is in harmony with God. Think rightly about God. God is not the tyrant that most people think he is. He's not a sort of spoil sport. He's, he's not, he's not a, a, a judge all the time. He wants to, he wants to stop, stop us enjoying life. He is a loving father. He loves goodness and holiness. He hates sin and evil. Think about what is righteous about God. Whatever is pure, think about that. That The Philippians, with their pagan <coughs> surroundings, were tempted to unholy and immoral behavior, just as we are today. And Paul said they are to train their minds to think on pure, holy and righteous things. And that right thinking would help them to behave in a right way. Wouldn't this society and the church be a better place if we didn't see the junk that we see all over the place—the pornography and the violence and the this and the? That. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't it be better if we thought about other things? Lovely is next. <coughs> think on what. Th- think on things that promote love in action. That's what it means. But doing good—that's what it means. Admirable or of good report, probably means don't use ugly words. Don't use words that hurt people intentionally. Don't gossip about people. Well, these are the things that we are to think, consider, and pursue in our lives. And Paul's saying, when you go about your daily life, think about what is true and honourable and righteous and pure and lovely and admirable and pursue those things. Behave in that way. And yes, this is difficult in our culture. Of course it is, because we're bombarded by the stuff which influences our minds to the opposite. Television, movies, books, magazines that we read now, now stuff on the internet, glorify sex and adultery and greed, etc. And and Paul says, don't think on those things. We're bombarded with them, but don't think on these things. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. God honouring things. To be spiritually stable, Christians, us, must train our minds to think biblically. And I'm convinced that this is one of the main reasons why the church and Christians are spiritually unstable today. I think we don't seem to think about our faith, what we believe, why we believe it. We've become like our culture. We want sort of quick-fix solutions to our difficulties and our struggles. We want to feel good, but instantly. And theologically, we want the peace of God, the blessings of God, but we don't want to do the hard work of thinking and learning and studying the scriptures and behaving properly, trying to live it. Brothers and sisters, there is no quick fix solution to spiritual instability. It's not overnight. I know we live in an instant world, but not here. We have to train and discipline our minds in the power of the Spirit, and that is a slow work. It is a hard work. It is continued, lifelong work. It is a battle. There is a battle for the mind out there. Because all, this, all these other philosophers surround us and try to influence us. And they do influence us. Of course they do. And if we don't think rightly and godly, they will take us away. So, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And may I encourage, especially this morning, young people here, especially if you're going to university or in your school, in your part of education, wherever you go, or high school or whatever, learn God's word, study God's word, learn, to, learn about our culture and let God's word study our culture rather than the other way around. May I encourage young people to start their growth in that. That's the first thing. Secondly, Verse 9, Paul comes to the final principle for spiritual stability, and it's the toughest. Yes, we've had some tough ones, this is the toughest. Whatever you, ha- He says, whatever you have learnt or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. In all your trials and all your struggles, the God of peace will be with you, and he will keep you. It's a great promise. But if we don't put it into practice, we can't expect to receive its promises, and we won't be spiritually stable. The biblical principle is, one doesn't receive the blessings of God without meeting the conditions. As you probably know, Rosemary and I have four sons, and when they reached the age of 18, they always wanted the privileges of being 18 without the responsibility. Not the two up north, they're wonderful. <laughs> they're, they're wonderful, just the two down here. They, they wanted the privileges of being 18, can I go out at night down, day- night- can I do this, day? can we stay out at 12 o'clock Dad? Uh, oh no, I don't want to do that, no, I don't want to do that without responsibility. God's message to Israel right through throughout the Old Testament was, if you keep my commandments, you receive my blessing, if you don't, you won't, and often they didn't may not have been that generation, but it may be the next generation. And it's exactly the same principle in the New Testament. James chapter 2, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, do what it says. Jesus taught the same principle. Blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. You want to be blessed? You must be poor in spirit. Recognize your spiritual bankruptcy before God. You want to be blessed? Hunger and thirst after true righteousness. Jesus said in John 13, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And that's what Paul is saying here. You won't experience the peace of God just by knowing these things. You must do them. And something further. Paul doesn't really command them as he doesn't command us. He encourages us. He asks us to think it through and then make a logical decision. Do it. It's like the parable of the wise and the foolish builder. The wise man was the one who heard the words of Jesus and put them into practice. The foolish man was the one who heard what the gospel had to offer, but he did nothing about it. And Jesus called him a, what? A fool. He said, you're a fool. Jesus didn't so much command Uh, build your house on a rock he gave them a choice and then he said if you build your life on other stuff and not God you are a fool and the Bible God always does that God doesn't force any person to become a Christian to live for God he gives them a choice he offers them eternal life and if they reject it he says you are a fool and when you think about it I've been a Christian now for 40 years when I think about it It's rational. Only a fool would turn down eternal life. You're not thinking straight if you wouldn't. And this is exactly what Paul is doing in this final verse. I've given you all the principles for a spiritually stable Christian life. But just knowing these things won't bring the peace of God. You must put them into practice. And put them into practice in the Greek is continuous. It's not a one-off thing or every now and again. In other words, you don't come to something that rocks your faith and knocks your faith, or as a parish knocks you you as a parish, and then you you start putting these principles into, into place, or you do it for a few weeks or whatever. No, it's continuous. It's the normal Christian life. It's your normal Christian life, because the hits will keep coming to you if you're a Christian. It is a daily, step by step walking in the Spirit, week after week year after year, decade after decade, on and on and on, living to these principles, stand firm, strive for the unity of the church, don't be deviated from evangelism, rejoice in the Lord always. That's why Paul says, whatever you have learnt or received or heard from me, put it into practice. They knew that that was Paul's life. They'd seen it. They'd seen his daily commitment to Jesus Christ, to the gospel, to evangelism, to the church, to scriptures, his prayer life. Year after year, he'd grown closer to Jesus Christ. They'd seen Paul suffer. They'd seen him be betrayed and beaten and whipped and thrown out of cities, and now he's in prison facing death. Yet the peace of God was always with him. In Second Corinthians, he says, we are pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Here it is. So that the life of Jesus may be revealed in us. And the the Philippians saw this throughout Paul's life. And he says, now you do it. And you too will know that same peace. No matter what, what pain you suffer, no matter what happens, God will bring you through. Well, there are the principles of spiritual stability. They're not easy, are they? They're not for sort of half-hearted Christians. They're for Christians who are determined to grow in Christ and bring Jesus honour. Growing in spiritual maturity And being productive in God's kingdom doesn't come cheap. It's costly. It cost our Lord. It cost Paul. And it'll cost us. And no one can decide for you. I can't. No one can. You must decide. Be imitators of Paul who imitated Jesus. And it begins now. Don't wait for the storms to come. It begins now. when I was at St. John's there were some crackpot young adults I loved dearly I don't know why But anyway. and they used to run the Christchurch, the Christchurch Marathon every year a gang of them and some of them were always in training they did, every day they did 10 kilometres. I can, I can think of 4 guys who did that, two, two, three, 3 women 4 guys who did it every day ten, ten kilometres. but a few of them never trained They never trained. And one said to me, I was talking about this, I said, what about training? He said, I trained the day before. (laughs) Who do you think didn't finish the race? Who do you think didn't finish? There was another one who said that he'd run the marathon, but uh, he never did. He kept saying every year, I'll do it, I'll do it. He never did. Well, in one sense, it's the same with you and I as Christians. It's no good waiting for the difficult times to come and then say, right, I'll start now. To remain spiritually stable, when the hits come, you must prepare now. And I encourage you to, brothers and sisters. You may feel you're miles away from God at the moment. the, The first step begins now, today. And continue. Well, let me pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that your word sort of cuts into our culture. We think things are wonderful, but when we look clearly and rationally, we see that your word is right, and we do drift. We drift as a church, we drift as individual Christians. Father, help us, we pray. Our hearts want to serve you, but we do fail, and we do find it tough. And we pray that you would strengthen us when we get down. Strengthen us when we get weary and tired. Strengthen us when we get battered. Strengthen us in our doubts. Strengthen us when the times are hard. And help us, Father, we pray, to continually help our brothers and sisters in the church family to persevere, to encourage them. Help them, Father, we pray. And we thank you and long for that day when we meet with you, our Saviour. And we long for the day when we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. In our Lord's name we pray. Amen.